0: This is chapter 4 of Heaven on Earth by Thomas Brooks, a book on the subject of assurance for Christians. Chapter 4 is entitled Motives to Provoke Christians to be Restless Till They Have Obtained a Well-Grounded Assurance of Their Eternal Happiness and Blessedness. I'm splitting this chapter into, four, uh, no, into two parts. So this is um, part A, um, Motives to Provoke Christians. <clears throat> Many have been lost who thought they were saved. The first motive, now the first motive that I shall lay down to provoke you to get a well-grounded assurance is solemnly to consider that many people are now dropped into hell that have formerly presumed of their going to heaven, as those that came bouncing at heaven gate crying out, Lord, Lord, open to us, for we have prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wonderful works, and yet that that direful and dreadful sentence is passed upon them. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Matthew seven twenty two, twenty six 26, and 27. The foolish virgins were in a golden dream that they were as happy as the best, and yet, when they were awakened, they found the bridegroom entered into his glory, and the door of mercy shut against them. Matthew twenty five ten to 12 Men are naturally prone to flatter themselves that their sins are not sins, when indeed they be, and that they are but small sins when they are great and grievous. Isaiah 40.27, Deuteronomy 29.19 And they are apt to flatter themselves that they have grace when they have none, and that their grace is true when it is but counterfeit, and that their condition is not so bad as that of others when it is worse, and, with Agag, that the bitterness of death is past, when God hath his sword in his hand, ready to execute the vengeance written. I have read of a madman at Athens that laid claim to every rich ship that came into the harbour, whereas he was poor, and had no part in any. Ah, this age is full of such mad souls, that they claim to God and Christ, and the promises and gospel privileges, and all the glory of another world, when they are poor and blind and miserable, and wretched and naked, when they are Christless and graceless. Ah, Christians, labour for a well-grounded assurance so that you may not miscarry to all eternity, but may at last be found worthy to receive a crown of glory and to enter into your master's joy, which is a joy too great and too glorious to enter into you, and therefore you must enter into it, Matthew 25, verses 21 and 23. The world is full of deceivers. The second motive to provoke Christians to a well grounded assurance is this consider that there be a great many soul flatterers, soul deceivers, and soul cheaters in the world. The devil hath put his angelic robes upon many of his chief agents, that they may be the more easily and more effectually deceive and delude the souls of men. This age affords many sad testimonies of this. Ah, what multitudes be there, that to some blear eyes appear as angels of light, and yet in their principles and practices are but servants to the prince of darkness, labouring with all their might to make proselytes for hell. Matthew twenty three fifteen, And to draw men to those wild notions, opinions and conceits that will leave them short of heaven, yea, bring them down to the hottest, darkest and lowest place in hell. If God does not by a miracle prevent it, therefore you had need look about you and see that you get a well-grounded assurance and suffer not Satan to put a cheat upon your immortal souls. Christ hath foretold us that in the last days there shall arise false Christs and false prophets that shall say, lo, here is Christ and lo, there is Christ. Matthew 24, 23, 24. Verily this scripture is this day fulfilled in your ears. Ah, how many blasphemous wretches there have been in these days that have asserted themselves to be the very Christ. And it is to me no little miracle that the very earth hath not opened her mouth and swallowed up such monsters, such firebrands of hell. The apostle tells us of some that lie in wait to deceive by such slights as cheaters and false gamesters use at dice. He tells us of cunning, crafty men that do diligently watch all advantages to work, draw, and win weak and unstable souls to those opinions, principles, and practices that tend to drown them in everlasting perdition. Ephesians 4.14 Satan's disciples and agents are notable method mongers. They have a method of deceiving. They are doctors in all the arts of cheating, and they will leave no means unattempted, whereby they may draw men... Build upon hay and stubble, upon this opinion and that opinion, that so men and their works may burn for ever. One Corinthians three fifteen. Tis reported of King Canute that he promised to make him the highest man in England, who should kill King Edmund Ironside, his co-rival. Which, when one had performed and expected his reward, he commanded him to be hung on the highest tower, in London. So Satan and his agents they promised poor souls that such and such opinions and notions will thus and thus advantage them and advance them. But in the end, poor souls shall find the promised crown turned into a halter, the promised comfort into a torment, the promised glory into ignominy, the promised exaltation into desolation, the promised heaven into hell. This age is full of soul-flatterers, of soul-undoers who, like evil surgeons, skin over the wound but kill the patient. Flattery undid Ahab and Herod and Nero and Alexander. Those flatterers that told Dionysius that his spittle was as sweet as honey undid him, and those flatterers that told Caesar that his freckles in his face were like the stars in the firmament ruined him. And ah, how many young and old in these days have been lost and undone by those soul-flatterers that lie in wait to ensnare and deceive the souls of men! Oh, this very consideration <clears throat> might strike home by the hand of the Spirit with that life and power upon it, your souls as effectually to stir and provoke you to get a well-grounded assurance of your happiness and blessedness so you may stand fast like the house built upon the rock in the midst of all tempests and storms that nothing may unsettle you or disquiet you and that none may take away your crown matthew 7:24 and 25 revelation 3:11 3, 3 assurance delivers from the burden of cares fears and doubts 3 the third motive to stir you up to get a well-grounded assurance is this consider that a well-grounded assurance of your happiness and blessedness will ease you and free you of a threefold burden it will free you one from burdens a burden of cares Two, from a burden of fears, three from a burden of doubts, now, the burden of cares Christian causes thee to sit down, sighing and groaning. Ah, uh, how doth the cares of getting this and that and the cares of keeping this and that worldly content disturb and distract, vex and rack the souls of men that live under the power of carking cares matthew thirteen twenty two Oh, but now assurance of better things makes the soul sing care away, as the Martha said. My soul is turned to her rest. I have taken a sweet nap in Christ's lap, and therefore I will now sing care away and will be careless according to my name. Assurance of a kingdom of a crown is a fire that burns up all those cares that ordinarily fill the head and distract the heart. There is no way to get off the burden of cares but by getting assurance. Again, assurance will free you from the burden of fears, as well as from the burden of cares. Now your hearts are filled with fears of possessing creature good, with fears of lacking creature good, with fears of losing creature good, and so on. And these fears make men turn, like the chameleon, into all colours, forms and fashions. Yea, they make their lives a hell. Oh, but now assurance will scatter all those fears, as the sun doth the clouds, it will extinguish these fears as the water doth the fire. Assurance made David divinely fearless and divinely careless. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Psalm 23, 3 Ah, how full of fears and perplexities was Hagar, till the Lord opened her eyes to see the well of water that was near her. Genesis twenty-one, sixteen. So the soul will be full of fears and perplexities till it comes to see assurance, to enjoy assurance. Christians, when all is said that can be, can be, this will be found at last, a most certain truth, that there is no way to be effectually rid of your fears but by obtaining a well-grounded assurance of your happiness and blessedness. Again, assurance will rid you of your burden of doubts. Now you are still a doubting, Sometimes you doubt whether you are a thorough Christian and not an Agrippa, an almost Christian and half Christian, as most professors are. Sometimes you doubt your sonship, then that leads you to doubt your heirship. Sometimes you doubt your acquaintance with God, and that leads you to doubt your access to God and acceptance with God. Sometimes you doubt your union with God, and those doubts lead you to doubt the truth of your communion with God. The truth is, your whole life is a life of doubting, and so it will be till you again attain to a well-grounded assurance. Though the two disciples had Christ for their companion, yet their hearts were full of fears and doubts, whilst their eyes were held that they should not know him, Luke 24, verses 14 and 15, till a Christian's eyes be opened to see his assurance, his heart will be full of doubts and perplexities though Mary Magdalene was very near to Christ, yet she stands sighing, mourning and complaining that they had stolen away her Lord, because she did not see him, John 20, verses 13-16. to 16. Christians, though you may be very near and dear to Christ, yet till you come to see your assurance, you will spend your days in doubting, mourning and complaining. The sum of all this is this, else you would be rid of your burden of cares, your burden of fears and your burden of doubts, get a well-grounded assurance of your happiness and blessedness. But if you are in love with your burdens, then neglect the making of your calling and election sure, and you shall certainly keep your burdens. They shall rise with you and walk with you and lie down with you till they make your lives a hell. For Satan labours to keep Christians from assurance. The fourth motive to provoke you to labour after a well-grounded assurance is to consider that Satan will labour with all his art and craft, with all his power and might, to keep you from alarming, sorry, from attaining a well-grounded assurance of your happiness and blessedness. Such is Satan's envy and enmity against a Christian's joy and comfort, that he cannot but act to the utmost of his power to keep poor souls in doubts and darkness, <clears throat> Satan knows that assurance is a pearl of great price that will make the soul happy for ever. <clears throat> he knows that assurance turns a Christian's wilderness into a paradise. He knows that assurance begets in Christians the most noble and generous spirits. He knows that assurance is that which will make men strong to do exploits, to shake his tottering kingdom about his ears, and therefore he is as studious and industrious to keep souls from assurance as he was to cast Adam out of paradise. Tis no wonder that Satan, who envied the first seeds of grace, that divine love sowed in thy soul, should envy the increase of thy grace, yea, thy assurance, which is the top and crown of grace. When thou wast a babe, Satan cast water upon thy smoking flax, that it might not flame forth unto assurance. Now thou art grown up to some more maturity, he is raised in his enmity, so that he cannot but put out his power and policy to keep thee from assurance of felicity and glory. Satan envies thy candlelight, thy torchlight, thy starlight. How much more that the sun should shine upon thee. Satan envies thy eating of the crumbs of mercy under the table. How much more that as a child thou should sit at wisdom's table and eat and drink abundantly at wisdom's delicacies. Satan envies thy feeding on husks among the swine, how much more than thou should eat of the shouldst eat of the fatted calf? Satan envies thy sitting with Mordecai at the king's gate, how much more that thou shouldst wear the king's robes? Satan envies thy tasting of the least drop of comfort. How much more thy swimming in those pleasures that be at God's right hand for evermore? He envies thy sitting upon God's knee, how much more then? Thy living in his bosom. He envies thy being admitted into his service. How much more that thou shouldst be of his court and counsel. Some say of the crystal that it hath such a virtue in it that the very touching of it quickens other stones and puts a luster and beauty upon them. Assurance is that heavenly crystal that quickens souls and that casts a beauty and a glory upon souls and this makes the devil mad. Satan knows that assurance is manna. In in a wilderness, it is water out of a rock. It is a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He knows that assurance is a salve for all sores, a physic for all diseases, and a remedy against every malady. He knows that assurance is a Christian's anchor at sea and his shield upon land, that it is a staff to support him and a sword to defend him a pavilion to hide him, and a cordial to cheer him. And therefore it is that he labours both as a lion and as a serpent to keep poor souls from a well-grounded assurance. The sun of the morning is fallen from the top of glory to the bottom of misery, and therefore he strives to make all as miserable and unhappy as himself. Ah, Christians, have not you need to seek assurance with all your might? who have to do with so mighty an adversary who cares not what torments he heaps upon himself, so long as he is able to torment you by keeping your souls and assurance asunder. Oh, that this very consideration might make you restless till you have got this white stone in your bosoms. Five, a well-grounded assurance is of great value to a believer. The fifth motive to provoke you to get a well-grounded assurance is this. Consider that a well-grounded assurance is a jewel of incomparable value. It is a pearl of such great price that it will abundantly recompense the soul for all of the cost and expense it shall be at to enjoy it. Ay, the enjoyment of assurance in that hour, when the soul shall sit upon thy trembling lips, ready to take her leave of thee, and of all the world, will richly recompense thee for all those prayers, tears, sighs and groans that thou hast breathed out in one place or another, in one service or another surely the gold in the in the mine will recompense the digger the crown in the end will recompense the runner the fruit in the vineyard will recompense the dresser the corn in the barn will recompense the reaper and the increase of the stock will recompense the shepherd so assurance at last will abundantly recompense the soul for all its knocking weeping and waiting at mercy's door god will ne- god will never suffer the seed of Jacob, to seek his face in vain, Isaiah 45, verse 19. There is a reward not only in keeping, but also for keeping of his commands, Psalm 19, verse 11. Joseph, for his 13 years' imprisonment, had the honour to reign fourscore years like a king. David, for his seven years' banishment, had a glorious reign of 40 years' continuance. Daniel, for his lying of a few hours among the lions, is made chief president over a 120 princes, and three children, for taking a few turns in the fiery furnace, are advanced to great dignity and glory. Ah, Doubting souls, pray hard, work hard for assurance. The pay will answer the pains. Christ will sooner or later say to thee, as the King of Israel said to the King of Syria, I am thine, and all that I have, one Kings twenty verses four. I am thine, O doubting soul, says Christ, and assurance is thine, and joy is thine, my merit is thine, my spirit is thine, and my glory is thine. All I am is thine, and all I have is thine. Oh, this is alvirium i melis, and high full of divine honey, comfort. Oh, this will recompense thee for all thy wrestling and sweating to obtain assurance, Matthew 25 verses 34 to 41, and Revelation 3 verses 11 and 12. Augustine in his confessions have this notable expression, How sweet was it to me of a sudden to be without those sweet vanities, and those things which I was afraid to lose. I let go with joy, for thou who art the true and only sweetness, didst cast out those from me and instead of them didst enter in thyself, who art more delightful than all pleasure and more clear than all light. Ah, Christians, do but hold up and hold on, and assurance and joy will come, and thou shalt, after thy working and waiting, sit down and sing it out with old Simeon. Mine eyes have seen thy salvation, my heart hath found the sweetness of assurance, and now, Lord, let thy servant depart in peace. Luke 2.30 6. Worldlings labour hard to secure the things of this life. Saints should show equal ardour for better things. The sixth motive to provoke you to get assurance in this is this. Consider what labour and pains worldlings take to make sure of the things of this life to them and theirs. Ah, uh, What riding, running, plotting, lying, swearing... "'Stabbing and poisoning is used by men of this world "'to make sure of the poor things of this world "'that are but shadows and dreams and mere nothings. "'How many, how do many with Samson lay heap upon heap "'to make their crowns and kingdoms sure, "'to make the tottering glory of this world sure to themselves? "'What bloody butchers do they prove? "'They will have the crown, though they swim to it through blood.' Men will venture life and limb to make sure of these things that hop from man to man as the bird hops from twig to twig. Oh, how should this stir and provoke us to be up and doing, to labour as for life, to make sure of spiritual and eternal things? Is earth better than heaven? Is the glory of this world greater than the glory of the world to come? Are these riches more durable than those that corrupt not? that are laid up in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through or, nor steal. Matthew 6, verses 19 and 20 No, oh then, be ashamed, Christians, that worldlings are still more studious and industrious to make sure of pebbles than you are to make sure of pearls, to make sure of those things that will, at last will be their burden, their bane, their plague, their hell. <clears throat> Than you are to make sure of those things that would be your joy and crown in life, in death and in the day of your account. In ecclesiastical history, we read of one who wept when he saw a harlot dressed with much care and cost, partly to see one take so much pains to go to hell, and partly because he had not been so careful to please God as she had been to please a wanton lover. Ah, Christians, what great reason you have to sit down and weep bitterly, that worldlings take more pains to make themselves miserable than you have taken to get assurance, to get a pardon in your bosoms, to get more of Christ into your hearts. 7. Assurance renders burdens light. The seventh motive to provoke you to get assurance is to consider that assurance will enable you to bear a burden without it being a burden, as in Hebrews 10.34 For ye had compassion of me in my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Here you see that assurance of heavenly things makes these worthies patiently and joyfully bear a burden without it being a burden. So the apostles, knowing that they had a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, went through dishonour and dishonour, evil report and good report to Corinthians, 5 verse 1 and 6, 8 to 11. They went through many weaknesses, sicknesses, wants and deaths. They had nothing and yet possessed all things. They had burden upon burden cast upon them by the churches, by false apostles and by, uncharitable world, by an uncharitable world. And yet they cheerfully bore all burdens without them being a burden through the power of a well-grounded assurance. Assurance makes heavy afflictions light. Long afflictions short, bitter afflictions sweet. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 to 18. When a man lacks assurance, then the shadow of a burden frightens him. The weight of the least burden sinks him. Such a man is still a crying out. No man's burdens equals my burden. My burden is greater than others. My burden is heavier than others. The want of assurance oftentimes makes men's very mercies a burden. Their comforts a burden, their relations a burden, yea, their very lives a burden unto them. Ah, Christians, you will never bear burdens without them being a burden, till you come to attain to an assurance of better things. This will enable you to leap under the weight of any cross, to rejoice under the weight of any mountain, Job seven twenty. Assurance fits a man's heart to his condition, when a man's heart is fitted to his condition, nothing proves a burden to him. Assurance of better things to come takes away the sting, the poison that attends these lower things. And the sting and the poison being taken away, the very worst of these things, are so far from being a burden to a man that they become rather a pleasure and a delight. Unto him, when the sting is taken out of this or that venomous creature... A man may play with it and put it in his bosom. Uh, Assurance pulls out the sting that is in every cross, loss and so on. And this makes the assured soul to sit down singing when others under far less crosses and losses sit down sighing and mourning and complaining that their burdens are greater than they are able to bear. If there were but more assurance of better things among Christians, there would be less complaints among them of this burden. And then molehills would be no longer mountains. Christians, it is not new notions, new opinions, new nothings, as I may say, in your heads, but the gaining of a well grounded assurance in your hearts that will enable you to bear all kinds of burdens without them being a burden. 8. God urges Christians to get assurance. 8. The eighth motive to provoke you to get assurance is drawn from those particular commands of God, whereby he induces Christians to get assurance, as that in 2 Peter 1.10, wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if ye do these things ye shall never fall. So 2 Corinthians 13.5, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith, prove your own selves. Know ye not, your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates, or unapproved, as the Greek implies. So Hebrews 6.11 And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence, to the full assurance of hope unto the end. Ah, you dull, doubting, drowsy Christians, you should take all these commands of God and press them with all the power and authority you can upon your hearts to awaken them and provoke them to get assurance of your eternal well-being. Take one command and charge that upon the heart. If the heart be stout and will not yield, then take another command and press it upon your heart. If that will not do, then take another and lay that home upon the heart. And never leave this work till your souls be effectually stirred up to labour for assurance with all your might. Christians, you should tell your souls, that the commands of God bind directly and immediately, that they bind absolutely and universally. You must obey God upon the bare sight of his will, and in one thing as well as another, Christians. If I am not much mistaken, you should make as much conscience of those commands of God that require you to get assurance of your future happiness as you do of those commands that require you to pray, to hear, and so on. It is very sad to consider that many that complain much of the want of assurance should make no more care and conscience of those commands of God that require them to get assurance than some of the heathens have done of the commands of their their gods, who, when they have called for a man, have offered a candle, or as Hercules, who offered a painted man instead of a living one. Verily, Christians, while you make light of any of God's commands, God will make us light of your comforts. If you were more conscientious in your obedience to the forementioned commands, I believe that the sun of righteousness would certainly and speedily cause his love and glory to beam out upon you. Mind God's commands more than your own wants and complaints, and light will break in upon you. By obeying Christ's commands, you will gain more than you can give. By kissing the son, you will even command him and make him an assurance, an assurance yours. End of chapter four, verse part eight.